And we're back with Warren Kinsella. Warren, I uh, know that you think of yourself as a as an Irish bar fight, but before we go further, I don't want to take uh, the phrase out of context. So tell me what it is that you do think of yourself as and, and why, uh, before I discuss Irish bookmakers and the U.S. presidential election. Well, I mean, I didn't, like, so some people call me the Prince of Darkness. And it, it wasn't me who came up with that. It was Kim Campbell um, in um, back in the beginning of time in 1993, a Tory buddy of mine. I was a committee to torment conservatives when I was working for Kretschian. And this Tory I was friends with slid into the seat beside me and he said, you know what they're calling you? And I said, no. And he said, they're calling you the Prince of Darkness. And I laughed. And he said, that's what Kim Campbell's calling you too, because she had just become conservative leader. So um, I didn't make that up. And then this walking Irish bar fight, which is kind of in the same theme, um, was uh, I first heard from my buddies, uh, Cal Bricker and John Wright, um, one smart political guy and one smart poll guy saying you're the walking Irish bar fight. So that's stuck as well. I think I'm a nice person. Like, don't you think I'm yeah. a nice person? I think that you're a nice person, but it's situational. I have experienced uh, the- <laughs> um, one smart political guy and one smart poll guy saying you're the walking Irish bar fight. So that's stuck as well. I think I'm a nice person. Like, don't you think I'm yeah. a nice person? I think that you're a nice person, but it's situational. I have experienced uh, the bar <laughs> fight, uh, both on the podcast and in person. And I've experienced, look, uh, you, you know, the, the greatest uh, compliment I ever received uh, was in the first uh, six months of my uh, launch of the uh, talk radio in, in Calgary. So this would have been uh, 1990, a long time ago. And a guy called uh, Jim was uh, driving his rig as, as, as many people were all over the, the country. And, uh, you know, I was riding shotgun with them. I was their companion. And Jim, somewhere in Alberta, called in to say that he'd been listening for the last few months and that I had more gears than a Kenworth. And uh, my, my, producer, <laughs> my producer was an Albertan and I was an Alberta expat. Sounded good to me. So the, the, fa- the fact that you're not predictable, that uh, <laughs> n- nothing about you is predictable to me is, is a good thing. And no matter how seriously some people want to take what we do here, this is an entertainment platform. And in entertainment, the number one sin is predictability. And I would say it's also the same in, in politics, Warren. I think people who are entirely predictable in politics don't have personality. And if you don't have personality, you know, go, go do with all due respect to all those people with no personalities, go do something else. If you're, if, you, if you're in politics, whether you're commenting or you're an active politician or, frankly, even a, a wholesale politician, no, perso- no personality, no mass. But the reason I ask about the Irish uh, bar fight is um, you mentioned uh, Bricker and, and Wright, and I respect these guys. I, I respect uh, Abacus. Uh, that would be uh, David uh, Coletto. I, I respect all of them. I, I know all of them. However, the record shows that when it comes to U.S. elections, the people who do the best at predicting are the Irish bookmakers. Now, you can, <laughs> you being a, an old warrior, can tell me why that is before I uh, before I let you know what the Irish bookies are saying about the the Trump Biden contest. <laughs> because uh, we we play those games quite a bit. I still buy lottery tickets. My dad, you know, member of the Order of Canada, a scientist. 
every week he'd buy the 649 in Calgary and he'd come home and my brothers and I would make fun of him and he said see you've wrecked it for another week I have to buy them next week (laughs) and he did that until he died so now I do it using the birthdays of all my kids and my parents you know the little numbers and like my I remember my grandmother Charles Mary Kinsella grade four education clean people's toilets and uh she uh uh, you would do the sweepstakes, you know, in Montreal. The like Irish, it, Irish lot- sweepstakes. Yeah. yeah, the Irish sweepstakes because it was illegal to yeah. do lotteries in those days before the federal government realized what a mistake they were making. And uh, she did the sweepstakes. The sweepstakes is one of my earliest memories. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we know a bit about gambling and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, my, my dad, who uh, was uh, nominally against gambling, was convinced the odd time by his uh, customers uh, to play the ponies, uh, as in the Irish sweepstakes. And just so everyone is clear, it was legal to buy Irish sweepstakes tickets and and play the the ponies in Ireland, but there was no legal uh, lottery in Canada. And then, as you say, the, the they they realized the mistake. As a matter of fact, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Joe I Clark, think Quebec. Was it? I yeah, think Quebec, Quebec was yeah. the first, and they yeah. and, and, <laughs> and in Quebec. <laughs> so, some of my friends, it won't surprise you, Warren, you, you know, you've, you've lived everywhere. And in Western Canada, especially in Alberta, there is this very bizarre view of what Quebec is like. It has absolutely nothing to do with what, what Quebec is like. We can, we can get into that. But in Quebec, um, it wasn't called a lottery at first. I don't know if you remember, but uh, the, the provincial premier or the mayor of Montreal, I'm not sure which, but anyway, but one of the, one of the Quebec yeah. politicians... It could have been Drapeau, but one of the Quebec politicians d- decided that the only way that, or their lawyers uh, explained that the only way this could be legal is if it wasn't called a lottery, okay? Because lotteries were illegal. So they called it, a, I think they called it a lottery tax. Do you remember that? <laughs> that sounds uniquely Quebec. In Quebec, they called it a lottery tax. And that Taxes are definitely legal. Well, it's a tax. It's a tax on daydreams, as they say. But yes. yeah, I uh, in the states uh, to get you and I are being our typical selves and meandering all over the place. But um, Biden ain't dead yet, folks. Uh, okay. He ain't dead yet. And what is it? I can never pronounce the poll. What is Quinnip- Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac. Yeah, they've got Biden ahead. Um, they've got Biden competitive. I think half a percentage point behind Trump. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, as you know, I was despairing of that outrageous report by the special counsel looking into the documents that were found in the home of uh, Joe Biden, who I worked for, full disclosure, um, in his uh, garage. And so they brought in this special prosecutor who worked for Trump and worked in the Trump White House. And he, it was just an, he didn't find any, that, that Biden had done anything wrong. But he said that Biden was this, you know, forgetful old man who forgot the, you know, when his son died, you know, the, and so just terrible, cruel things. It kickstarted a lot of this stuff about age. And, uh, but then three days later, Trump says, oh, by the way, if you're not paying your NATO dues, you deserve to be attacked by Russia. And that kind of changed the channel. And I think it reminded people what the, the threat that uh, Trump poses, which is chaos. And um, so anyway, I, I, you know, I think Biden's back in the race. I don't think it, I don't think it's over by a long shot. 
No, I'm not, I'm not saying it is. I just, uh, it's taken me, I don't know, uh, I don't know how many minutes we've been on now, but I have a feeling it's double digits. We're probably into the, <laughs> the 10th minute here. I just wanted to say what I wanted to say 10 minutes ago, that the Irish bookmakers <laughs> still have Joe Biden losing, uh, Trump ahead of Joe Biden by double digits. That's what the Irish bookies have. Oh, right they, that's now. what they're saying. Okay, well, I yeah. think they're wrong. It's just like for sure. Trump is popular with Republicans. Republicans, yeah. he owns a big part of their base, not all of it. You know, Nikki Haley's still in the race, and she said yesterday she's going to stay until the very end. She said, I'm not going anywhere other than, you know, Kentucky or wherever it is she's going. Well, she'll, stay in. She'll, she'll stay in as long as as long as yeah. the money keeps coming in. The, the money and drives she's up. getting money. She's, she's yeah, getting she's money. Getting, at the moment, she's getting money, yeah. So, you know, but it's uh, November's a long way away. It's a long way away, but there's this other wrinkle, okay? And this other wrinkle is, 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 is a guy who calls himself Bobby Kennedy. Now, his name is Bob Kennedy, Bobby Ken- Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr. He is the son of the real Bobby Kennedy. But yeah. there's nobody, I, I have looked hither and yon, and I don't use those words casually, okay? I've looked everywhere. Uh, in the Kennedy family, and I, I, I know people who know people, and you know, full disclosure, I also know members, some members, some members of the of the Kennedy family, and not one of them. I mean, none of none of the none of none of the biological connections to Robert F. Kennedy, none of the people who have married into the family, nobody I know of in the Kennedy Empire, which is vast, and that's why I had to do the hither and yon. None of them endorse. Bobby Kennedy, I'm not going to repeat what they call him, but the point is the only connection between, you know, let's call it uh, spiritual or political or philosophical, the only uh, important connection between Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and his dad is that his, his dad sired him. There is absolutely no comparison between Jr. and the rest of the family. Yeah, and and full disclosure, I'm doing a lot of full disclosures on this one. Um, I worked with Bobby. Um, I worked with the son that you described um, years ago on an anti-tobacco campaign, which you know is one of my passions. And um, he was a great guy and smart, and he had smart guys working with him. And we had fun and, you know, we didn't win what we wanted to. We wanted to bring a class action. We wanted all the governments in Canada to bring a class action against the tobacco manufacturers like they've done in the United States successfully. And Canada, of course, decided to do it in, in internally. And, of course, we don't have any uh, settlement yet with the tobacco companies. But Bobby, I got to know him quite well and uh, he's a great guy. And then some things happened in his personal life and uh the cheese slipped off the cracker in my opinion in the opinion of many others including his family so you know you got to look at the fundamentals for sure he's got the name thing you know having a name as justin trudeau showed and as george w bush showed and so on having the name of a successful father does not hurt in politics doesn't um the problem is when you get beyond that superficial level with bobby you see that he's got much more in common with Donald Trump than he does with Joe Biden. His insane position on vaccines, his belief in conspiracy theories, including he believes in the conspiracy that uh, Sirhan Sirhan, the uh, Palestinian who uh, killed his father and went to prison for it, didn't actually do it. Um, 
you know, uh, conspiracy theories about his uncle, JFK. Like he he shares much more in common with the Trump constituency than he does with Biden's. So I believe, and there is some data to show this, that ultimately, ultimately, um, uh, Bobby hurts Trump in the fullness of time and not Biden. All right. So let me then go after uh, demographics here. I, I, I know what your position on Israel is. I mean, you're, you're clear. Um, but here's, here's the question. How much does Joe Biden's position on Israel, which is the, just very similar to Warren Kinsella's, very pro-Israel. This isn't about an endorsement of the Netanyahu government. It's just pro-Israel. Israel has the right to do whatever it takes to defend its sovereignty. Okay, And that particular position that Joe Biden is holding on Israel is said to be affecting him seriously and substantively with certain communities in the United States. It should surprise no one. It is, it is, it is a problem in the Muslim community, and the Muslim community is very significant in Michigan, which is a state that Joe Biden absolutely needs to win. It's one of the most important battlegrounds. Michigan matters, and he's in trouble in Michigan, whether it's the Irish bookmakers, Quinnipiac, any of them. He's in trouble in Michigan. He's also in trouble with the young demographic, which is very much part of the coalition. How do you square the circle, Warren Kinsella, on Joe Biden's position on Israel Mm -hmm. and some of the problems it causes with him at the ballot box? Well, firstly, his position on Israel is the historic position of every single U.S. president since Israel was founded in 1948. So he's not doing anything different than anybody has done before. That's number one. Number two, as in the United States, it's now happening in Canada this week. The National Council of Muslims sent a letter uh, to all members of parliament, but aimed at the government, saying to Trudeau and his government, you're not going to be allowed to go into our mosques, <clears throat> you know, until you do this, this, and this about Israel. And, um, you know, I don't think that benefits the conservatives. Uh, I, I don't think it actually hurts anybody. I think it's a wash. Basically, you know, the political Muslim community has removed itself from politics and they've made that decision. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's sad they've decided to do that, but it doesn't hurt anybody. And, um, you know, again, so I look at this constituency for sure. Michigan has got one of the highest um, percentage of Muslim Americans in the United States. And, you know, you see that in their representation. But where are they going to go, Charles? Are they going to vote for the guy who said he wants to bar every single one of them from being in the United States? Is Do they want to vote for the guy who said a few days ago that he wants to kick them out of the United States, even if they're there illegally? Like, where are they going to go? So, you know, again, I don't think a lot of the Muslim leadership is being uh, very strategic about the decisions they're making. By absenting themselves from the political process, they are... Uh, hurting themselves. And the same thing applies to the Jewish community, by the way. I've said to this, my Jewish friends and Jewish leadership for years, for sure. I can, I know lots of you support the conservative party. I get that. But some of you need to be supporting the liberal party. Some of you need to be supporting the new Democrats. Some of you need to be involved in the green party. Like, you know, it moves around parties get defeated right? You've got to have an ability to speak to people who are in government to protect your interests. That's what I say to every client. So like, and not that I have any Jewish or Muslim clients at the moment at all, but it, 
you know, that's you got to participate in the process. So by removing yourself from Biden to get back to your question, I, I don't think they're hurting him really because you know it, it's they're not they're not help they're not going to go to Trump. What what about youth? Would you say the same thing that uh, uh, no. Joe Biden is the guy who's uh, trying to get uh, young people uh, virtually free university at least at the state schools reim not sorry not trying to get them free university he's trying to reimburse uh, young people and people who aren't so young anymore but he's trying to reimburse uh, those those people. Uh, who have, uh, who have outstanding loans. debt yeah. on student loans, and that's a significant chunk. No, I would not. No, and so uh, you zeroed in on the, um, not the vulnerability in my argument, but Joe Biden's vulnerability. You know, Joe Biden lost, as you and I have talked about many times before, because of 70,000-odd votes in uh, Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, and it was Michigan, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was Hillary Clinton who lost. Hillary, Hillary, sorry. Yeah. So, you know, it takes very little in the ridiculous electoral college system to lose, and so uh, Hillary, who I also worked for, another full disclosure, uh, we lost basically because of seventy thousand votes. When you drill down to find out who those seventy thousand people were, um, you know, they weren't Muslims, they weren't uh, African Americans, they were young people. They were millennials. And, you know, we tried, those of us who were supporting Hillary, tried to figure out, well, why did, what turned them off? What turned them off very successfully was Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders ran a very aggressive campaign in 2016 against Hillary, you know, saying that she was a corporate toady and owned by the hedge funds and so on, all that stuff that the younger demographic hate. And it just indelibly marked her with a lot of that constituency. And we think that's the main reason she lost. Also, the sexism that's inherent in American politics. Well, there's one, one other thing I, I, sh- I should add. Uh, she also lost because she voted with Bush and, uh, and, and virtually everyone else uh, in the Republican uh, caucus. Um, Obama didn't vote that way, but uh, Hillary was with the majority of senators who voted for participating in the war in Iraq. And uh, during the campaign, the election campaign, she tried to walk that back, but that was impossible, especially with the Bernie Sanders crowd, as far as they were concerned. Hillary Clinton was a Republican hawk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It hurt her with that demographic, but you know, she was by no means alone in taking that position. Obama um, didn't have that position. It probably helped him with young people in 2008. But, um, you know, I mean, everybody, with the exception of Jean Chrétien and Barack Obama, uh, was in favor of going after after weapons of mass destruction, <clears throat> including, here's another full disclosure, you're, me. You're, yeah, of course. <laughs> right? Uh, and just the war story, I think I yeah, told no, you I'd... before, you know, Kretchen phoned me up and said, what should we do? I said, boss, I'm worried the Americans will punish us. I think we got to go. Yeah. And he hung up and, you know, next thing I know, he's standing up in the House of Commons saying we're not going to go. Well, my, my initial inclination was uh, to also uh, uh, support that war. And uh, the, 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 only, the only person who actually did make me... Um, second guess my, my, my position and make me really seriously think about it was Jean Chrétien, your, your old boss. I thought that he might in the political short term uh, pay a price as far as uh, Americans punishing them 
but my my gut told me that if if Jacques Chrétien smelled that something wasn't kosher here, uh, to mix a whole bunch of metaphors, then uh, he he may have uh, he may have a case because I just thought Chrétien's instincts. Uh, while I wasn't politically a big supporter of Jacques Chrétien, I did think that on the big picture he had uh, very very good instincts, and as it turns out, uh, he did. And as it turns out, Jean Chrétien is responsible. I know he he doesn't get enough credit for this in history, but Jean Chrétien is responsible for saving not hundreds, but likely thousands of of, of Canadian lives, because I have no doubt that if Canada had participated in that war, they would have been chopped up like cannon fodder, just as the Americans and and others were. And I also have no doubt that uh, the Canadians would have ended up recruiting a number of of people who would have done just the same thing that Americans did, um, young young people going that war because of because of patriotism and all the other reasons that young people uh, are sometimes uh, seduced into joining the military i'll I'll tell you this you know we we are meandering a bit but the the, one of the toughest days of my life warren kinsella was was going to come home in a casket or a wheelchair and um, it 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 tore the i don't use this word very often it tore the shit out of me it was Mm -hmm. um it was very very difficult you know, and it's one of the most difficult things when you're doing politics, whether you're in retail politics or you're doing political commentary, uh, to take a particular position and then see what the consequences of that position are on real human beings. And seeing these young Marines and knowing what I knew at that point. But um, anyway, let's, uh, let, let, let's move on from there. Uh, suffice it to say that we are uh, many months away uh, February to November is a long time in politics. Do you think at this point, because I'll ask on behalf of all of the right-wing podcasters and others who are still saying that the Democrats will replace, will find a way to replace Joe Biden, do you think at this point, we're talking about close to the end of February, is there any chance that Joe Biden will be convinced to make an LBJ-like speech? LBJ did it in in March. That That's when he said that he chose not to seek the nomination of his party. He was the president, just as Joe Biden is, but he felt that um, he couldn't possibly win against uh, Richard Nixon, and he decided to leave. And there was a, another candidate in the wings whose name is, and this brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, his name was Robert F. Kennedy, not Jr., but Robert F. Kennedy uh, Sr., and uh, he would have won uh, the nomination of the Democratic Party had he not been assassinated, despite what RFK Jr. says, had he not been assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan. The question is, is there a chance that in the next couple of weeks, Joe Biden will step away? Yeah, for sure. I mean, politics, you know, a week is a long lifetime in politics, per the cliche. And um, the reason why, you know, I was upset by the ageism in the special counsel's report, because I worked for a guy, and they used to say, here, let me just turn that off. Hold on a second. I used to work for a guy who, um, you know, people said was um, too old all the time. And I guess he kind of proved them wrong. So I had the same affection for Biden. And I think uh, ageism is as bad as sexism or racism. Um, But after the report came out and it hit the Democratic Party like a bomb, um, because it said in public what a lot of people have been saying privately about his age and his capacity, um 
you know, I get I get fundraising emails from the Democratic Party every single day because I've worked for them. But as a foreign national, I'm not allowed to donate to them. But I always find it interesting to see where they're going next because they usually are ahead of the puck. You know, they're like Wayne Gretzky. And the emails I got were from Jill Biden, Jill Biden, not Joe Biden, about her husband. That's the first time I can recall that ever happening. That told me they were worried. They were concerned because all of us had the same thought, which is this decision, the person who's going to be most influential on this is the person who loves him the most and, you know, tucks him in the bed every single night, which is his wife, who's a physician. So um, I think, yes, there is a possibility that he makes that decision if he decides that his incumbency returns Donald Trump to the presidency. Yes, I think he'll do that. He's that selfless a man. However, the problem with the strategy is, you know, under the 25th Amendment, like the person who becomes then president of the United States is Kamala Harris. Like it doesn't go to a leadership. But I'm, not, but I'm not talking about him stepping away from the presidency. I'm st- saying uh, L- the LBJ move. LBJ never stepped away from the presidency. He simply said, he would finish his term as president, but he would not be a nominee for yeah. the next term, which is what I think Joe Biden could do. And in the last few minutes that we have left, let me let me throw a name out. It's a different woman. It's not Kamala Harris, and it's not about uh, Jill Biden. And by the way, I, I don't think that uh, as, as it's a nice human story, but people do not vote for someone out of sympathy. And if Jill Biden is out there defending her husband, She's looking, not saying that she wants to make it appear this way, but it looks like it looks like she's looking for a, a sympathy vote. A sympathy is not attractive in, in retail uh, politics. It may be attractive in real life, but not in real politics. So the woman I'm thinking about, because I'm thinking about Michigan, is the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. There is zero doubt in my mind that the Democrats lock in Michigan if Gretchen Whitmer is the candidate. And there's also no doubt in my mind that in a, in a debate with with Donald Trump, Whitmer would do well. Warren Kinsella, what do you say? No, I disagree. And I think she'd be a disaster for Canada. She defied the Biden White House uh, on, um, for lack of a better name, the Enbridge main trunk line that basically keeps alive the economy of Western Canada. Um, and anyway, they eventually prevailed upon her to back off, but she was prepared to do all that it takes to shut down that pipeline, only a tiny bit of which goes through her state. So I no, I think um, she would be uh, a wrong choice. But even leaving aside all of that policy stuff, you know, Charles, when I worked for Hillary in 2016, I saw it up close. The United States is a deeply sexist, along with a racist society in many respects. I don't think they're ready for a female president. You know, going back to Geraldine Ferraro, <clears throat> this has been discussed in U.S. politics, and Democrats are always open to it, but Republicans and independents are not. And, and by the way, I, I note in passing, the Liberal Party of Canada has never had a female leader. Um, and is the most successful political machine in Western democracy. So um, I think it's pretty tough to win with Gretchen Whitmer or or any woman, again, in the kind of the sexist climate of American politics these days. So you're saying a 
black man has a better chance, and this is easy for me to say because a black man called Barack Obama did win not just one but two terms. You're saying it's easier in the United States for a black man uh, to get into the White House than a woman, any woman. Look at 2016, right? You know, and the candidate he favored and that I worked for, Hillary Clinton, she'd been Secretary of State. She'd been First Lady. She'd been a Senator. But she had a resume that made Donald Trump look like what he is, which is a joke. And she still lost. And um, for sure, we talked earlier about millennials going sideways in three key swing states. But, you know, part of it is also, I think, sexism. And every candidate that I've worked for, with the exception of Joe, in the past decade has been a woman. Because I believe that's the only way we're going to change our politics is to have, you know, an actual balance in our politics. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see, for example, up here, what the Liberal Party of Canada does next time. You know, Jolie, they talk about, and Anne, they talk about, Freeland, they talk about. Um, but, you know, I think if Justin takes a walk in the snow next week, because it's 40 years ago next week that his dad left, um, you know, I think the names that uh, probably are going to be more competitive, even within the Liberal Party, will be Champagne and Carney and uh, what's his name, Fraser from um, Nova Scotia, from Atlantic Canada. Warren, uh, um, we've got we've got we've got a dash here. I do not think that Justin Trudeau is taking a walk in the snow next week, but a week, I guess, is also an eternity. We'll find politics. out next week. We'll, we'll find we'll find out. Warren Kinsella, thank you very much, as always. Warren Kinsella is somewhere in Ontario. I'm somewhere in Manitoba. <laughs>